I was going to tell a story about Crescendo. Yeah. We'll have to save that. Okay. Because while we were talking on the last episode, it occurred to me that I never shared with you this story from London. Okay. You were talking about reading God yeah. book. Uh-huh. Uh, also the end. I was about to say, okay. But um, went to London and went on this fantastic tour with this man named Phil, who I will love for the rest of my life. And I wish I could get one of those patron saint candles mm-hmm. with Phil's face. Uh, you can. Can I Sanctuaryriders.com. Do whatever you want. Please send me that link. <laughs> Please send me that link. It's my friend Michelle. I just figured <laughs> out these candles. what I'm get- giving everyone for Christmas <laughs> is a Phil candle. If you have a picture of his face, we can I do. do. Okay. Please send that to me. Okay. So Phil's amazing. He took us on this Jane Austen tour of like Jane Austen landmarks, which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. aren't landmarks because... They're they, gone. Yeah. They're yeah. gone. And, and, but it's things like her church where her father was a rector, etc. But on this tour, we stopped at a couple of churches, and Phil is not only interested in Jane Austen, he has many interests, mm-hmm. and one of Phil's interests is medieval graffiti. Yes, it's fascinating. Okay, yeah. I forgot to tell you this, because I knew, I thought of you while I was there, but I was like, oh, i got to tell Chris about this. Okay, so we're standing mm-hmm. in like this alcove of this church, this transept, whatever you want to call it. And Phil is pointing out, like, here is this round carving, like, in the church's stone, because um, these churches have been around since the mm-hmm. 1400s, 1300s in some cases. And he's like, you were supposed to put your finger in the center of the circle to cast out the witchcraft that mm-hmm. you might have encountered before entering the church. Mm. So anyway, he's showing us all these things. I'm standing next to the door frame, and Phil's like, and right behind you is that goat that is supposed to be a symbol of the devil. And I jump and scream as if I am a child. Because you thought about Black Phillip? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But Phil looks at me and is like, well, I've never gotten that reaction before. And then all the women I'm with who are, you know, I'm friends with, but we're also kind of strangers. Uh I'm sure, and I'm like this kind of stoic Enneagram 5, and I think they're like, what is happening? Uh And none of them had seen the movie, but all I could think was, but wait, guys, the devil as a goat is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my whole life, and my head was right Right next next to the the goat's head. It was horrifying. So you didn't want the taste of butter? No, I was... You didn't want to live deliciously? Stop. (laughs) I can't. I have chills now. Like, I can't. That is... I love that That is the scariest crap I've ever seen in my life, and I'm standing standing in this church, and all I can think of is those things, but no one else knows it, (laughs) and oh my gosh, I just... It was horrifying. For our listeners who are not aware, we're talking about the movie The Witch. Which is horrifying. It's a very scary movie that I think is incredibly well done. It's it, but it is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Yes. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Oh yeah, like no. like, but it was, it was so scary because in that book mm-hmm. it's set in mm-hmm. what year? Uh, I mean, in that it's movie, the sixteen hundreds. Yeah, and so you, I remember we in, talked in about Puritan it in New England because you commented that the language was yes. realistic. Oh yes, and extremely, and you would know that I would not. All I could think of was the devil as a goat mm-hmm. is horrifying. Yeah, and then I stood in this church where somebody carved because they also were terrified. Uh-huh. The devil as a goat. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. I have a picture of the goat. I'm gonna send. I it to I, you. I need a picture of the goat, and that's also going in the show notes. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Okay, that was my story. Well, thank you for sharing that. (laughs) 
welcome to episode 235 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I can't believe it's already back to school season. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. You go to Target, all the garden stuff is gone, and now it's just school supplies everywhere. Do you feel like it just starts earlier and earlier? I really do. Like, I just... It's still... Uh, no, we can't complain about the weather this week. No. Uh, because it's been beautiful. It was 80 degrees yesterday. It was 84 degrees. Did you go outside? I was outside for most of the day yesterday, and it was not 80 degrees in Tallahassee. It was, it, yes, it was. It was 84 really? degrees and beautiful. Breezy. I was sweating so much. Maybe you were just in the, in the sun path. I don't know. It maybe, was gorgeous. Or maybe like we don't get the breeze because we're just surrounded by trees. Maybe. It's a break. I don't Jordan's know. Jordan said it was pretty over there. I don't know what you're doing. I was outside trying to trap cats. That's why. You were exercising. You were, you were running around. <laughs> um, but I always feel like August is too hot to go back to school. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, and I've said it before, mm-hmm. why are After we not Labor doing Day. Labor Day Memorial Day? Yep. I don't understand I don't it. either. Although, I, it's a joke now. I'm so sorry. It just in my life, I now just say that time I was in London, and we're just going to keep doing yeah, it. that's fine. When I was in London, uh, I noticed that the children were still in school, mm-hmm. and it was late June. Yeah. I don't know when I was there anymore, but they do terms differently over exactly. there. Exactly. I know this now because can I tell you my new obsession? Mm-hmm. I'd, love, I'd love for you, no, I'd love for you and Kelsey to also be on board. I watched this documentary series called Harrow School. Okay. And it's about a young men's boarding school, mm-hmm. like very elite boarding school in England, in London. Yeah. It is delightful television. I think it's eight episodes. <laughs> By the end, you are so attached to these <laughs> to these children and their headmaster. It's not even their headmaster. It is... It's their basically dorm dad. I don't. Mm, I mm-hmm. there's a better British word yeah, for that than, sure. than dorm dad. But um, <laughs> housemaster, okay. housemaster, the housemaster is. That's what I call CJ. <laughs> adorable, it's adorable. Um, you will become so in like in love and infatuated with these people. It's a perfect thing to watch before going back to school. Okay. Trust That's interesting. Me. It's I believe so you. good. I believe you. It's so good. Their little accents. And then, like, some of them are cute. One of them, I swear to you, looks like Harry Styles. Aww. And I Googled him to try to find him. He's very cute. Lives in New York. He's just, he's he just went, some kid. He went to improv school. Like, oh, not okay. school. He went to NYU, and mm-hmm. now he does improv. Good for him. I'm very proud of him. Good. Anyway. <laughs> I guess. So, back to school watching. <laughs> so, if you need something to watch... While you prepare to go back to school, pretend like these kids wear like straw hats and tuxedos to class. It's adorable. Straw hats? Yes. Like a farmer? I kid you not. I believe you. I kid you not. They're adorable. Um, they hate wearing the straw hats, in case you were curious. I am. Um, but um, I, they're called boaters. Okay. Um, yeah, look at them all. Showing him a picture. Oh my goodness, they look like <laughs> Venetian gondoliers. Look how cute they are. I mean, probably extremely pretentious young men. Oh yeah, no, like, it's like Eaton and Harrow have it the is. rivalry, yes, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. How'd you know that? Because I read British literature. Okay, what British literature do I need to be reading? 
That um, talks about Eaton and Harrow. Anything in the 20th century. I need titles, sir. Uh, <laughs> because, because I... I'll get back to you on All that. I want to read is a boarding school novel set at Eaton or Harrow, and I can't find and one. And mostly I've read things where, like, the protagonist of some character went to Eaton or Harrow, and so they hate everybody who was not in those circles. I just want a book set at a British boarding school. It's all I want. I'm sure those exist. I know they do. Listeners, but... we're putting the call out. What is the Eaton and Harrow novel yeah. that Annie needs? Don't send me my Oxford year because I read it and and it was not what I really was looking for. Um, Harrow School is what I'm looking for, but in literature form. Gotcha. Okay. It's delightful. We'll keep an eye you out. You and Kelsey watch it and report back. I, I will. Yeah. I will. They're just fun little... <laughs> You're so funny sometimes. <laughs> This is the ice dancers all over again. I'm going to Canada next week. Did you know I'm going to Canada? I did. I'm going to Canada next week. And if I see virtue or more, I will pee my pants. I'll just pee all over myself. Did you like it in Queer Eye when Michelle Kwan showed up? Yes! I nearly died. I was sobbing on my couch. I was, Michelle! I wasn't expecting it. Michelle was there. All I ever think of when I hear Fields of Gold is freaking Michelle Kwan. Yep. My heart is broken all over again. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> back to school season is upon us, and so we wanted to take some time to talk about, I think, two different strands, two or three different strands of what back to school means in terms of your reading. Yes. I went two directions, mm-hmm. and I think you went one. So yes. my two directions were, prep, like, here are the books you need to read to your children if they're nervous to go back to school. Uh-huh, which is so important. And then here is what you need to read if you miss going back to school, mm-hmm. like me. And then I took it in a third direction that, like, I understand that many of our listeners don't get to read much in the summer um, because they are with their children all the time. And that back to school season is actually the, like, the pause button. Yeah. Where they're getting some days to themselves again. When they're reading, like, when they restart. When they can restart their, their reading. So I wanted to do kind of, like, in case you missed some of these hot summer books... Here they are. Oh, good. Can I help with that? Yeah, of course. Please. Should we start there? Let's start there. Let's start there. And so what were some of the hot ones? We can talk about Family of Origin as we have. Yeah. Um, City of Girls, I think. City of Girls, to me, would be at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. If you are going, if you want a book that captures the spirit of summer, mm-hmm. I think it's City of Girls. And I think that because it's set in New York, theater, it's got historical fiction, mm-hmm. if that's your thing. But even if you even even if you're like me and that's not your thing, it's still totally enjoyable. Right. It's I think multiple people have described described it as a romp, and that's exactly <laughs> correct. It's a romp. Like it's, a it, romp. it's fun. Um, it is. It is exactly what you want out of a summer book. You've got this spunky protagonist. She is kind of figuring out her sexuality. It's coming of age, but you then get to follow her into maturity. It's like the Boston Girl, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, because we get to watch this character kind of come into her own. Um, I think this book is delightful, super accessible. You'll jump right in. And even though it's super long, you I say it's super long. It feels hefty to me. Um, you will not want to put it down, which is what I want out of a summer book. It's a big book. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know how many pages, but it's, <laughs> the reason I say this is because I got to read it in paperback mm-hmm. because I read the arc. To me, these are the kinds of books where if you're reading them in hardback, it is like an arm workout. And maybe that shows what kind of state my arms are in. No, I get it. <laughs> but they're so heavy. Yeah. 
so heavy to read. And I'm, you know, I'm a bedtime reader. And so right. I'm like, oh God, this book is going to land on my face. Anyway. That's real. Yeah. Um, another one that just came out um, in our timeline um, is The Lager Queen of Minnesota. Perfect summer book. Great summer book. Have not finished that yet. Have um, you started it? I have started it. Do you it. like it? I, I do. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly the same profile as Kitchens, yeah, which I love. Yeah, it's totally charming. I got to talk to somebody at the reader retreat about Kitchens. Yeah. Um, because she was like, I think I read this, or I think I started this, and I don't remember. And so I was trying to like talk about it without talking about it too much. Yeah. Um, and she's like, does it have something to do with fish in the beginning? And I was like, yes. Yes, it does. And she thought, okay, I couldn't really get into it. The first chapter didn't grab me. And I was like, well, just you wait. I've got news for you. The end of the first chapter is a big old cliffhanger plot twist. <laughs> and then we pick up with a completely different narrator in yeah. the second part. Yeah. So start the second part yeah. and, and see how you feel. Yeah. You've got to power. And I don't think you have to power through that I don't think chapter, so. But if you didn't like the first chapter, don't let that stop don't you. Don't let that stop you because it, it changes and it gets better. But Lager Queen of Minnesota is this new book from Ryan Stradle. J. Ryan Stradle, um, with a lot of the same charms of Kitchens of the Great Midwest. Look, I don't know this. I don't know him in real life. Right. But I reviewed this on Instagram months ago when mm-hmm. I read it, and I guess he like somehow found it, mm-hmm. commented, then commented to every person who commented, oh, which I found to be delightful. That's so much in a good way. Oh my gosh, I I said this in my official. Did I tell you this? I said this in my official Seba review, uh-huh. like on Edelweiss. That's a what is, people is that a child? Out? That's a loud baby. Wow. I don't know if y'all could hear that. It was intense. It was very loud. Um, because we're upstairs. Yeah. Like very far away. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> so, so we um we do not know each other, Jay Ryan and I, in real life. Um, but when I reviewed this for like official reviews, all I could say was that I'm a teetotaler from the south, and now I just want to move to Minnesota and drink beer. Yeah. That's like all I want to do. Yeah. Because he made me fall in love. With Minnesota and, and its with that, people. And, and with its culture. And with that culture. Yeah. Um, I think he writes so lovingly about where he is from. Yeah. Um, no, that's exactly what I loved about Kitchens. Yeah. Um, the care and love with which he rendered that place. Yes. And so I'm excited to keep exploring yes, that in Lager Queen as I, as I keep going. Yeah, it's not I'm a only about. I'm only a chapter in. Ugh, I just um, fell in love with all... And it's like a multi-generational... I think I said this when I reviewed it on the podcast. Um, there are, I believe, three female kind of main characters who like propel the plot and I sometimes feel iffy about how men write about women Mm -hmm. but he does it beautifully Mm -hmm. he does it beautifully um that's a good one I would also throw ask again yes in there yeah because it's a big book of the summer yeah and it came out so early that Mm -hmm. you might have missed it right Um, it did get a lot of hype um but it's worth it and unlike um city of girls it's to me super thin so if you liked Commonwealth, but you, mm-hmm. but Commonwealth was a little slow for you, Ask Again Yes will be perfect. Cool. Um, that's another, to me, I think when I was naming my books of the summer, I do want to throw in Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. Uh-huh. It's good if you want a kind of uh, thrill, not kind of, if you want like a straight up thriller horror kind right. of thing. And so to transition you from summer into spooky season. Yes, that would be good. Um... And then I am going to put my, it's it's not light, fun summer reading, but I'm going to go ahead and throw my hat in the ring for The Nickel Boys. I oh, think that would right. be yes. my other book I would say you don't want to miss. Um, I have already talked about that book at length, um, but it's fiction based on the Dozier School for Boys in right. Mariana, Florida. Somebody pronounce it Mariana. It's Mariana. It's Mariana. Because 
because hashtags, we're in the south. <laughs> hashtag uh, um, North Florida. Um, no, I, and I understand the impulse to call it something like Mariana. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's Mariana. Um, but it is, the Nickel Boys is gorgeously written. Um, Colson Whitehead, I have said before, is a genius, literally. Yep, and it's the, real. the way he writes is brilliant. Um, again, that would not be like maybe your typical light fun summer book, but it's it's one I think I hesitate to use the language everyone should read, but I wish everyone would read it. Yeah. And so if you are sending your kids to school and you find yourself with some free mornings again for the first time in, in three months, uh, we've, we've got some good books for you. You can find those titles again in the show notes. We've got you covered. Um, I love this next category though of like how to prepare your kids for going back to school if they're a little bit afraid. Yeah. I always was. Were you? Yeah. God, I would, what do you think I was? The opposite. <laughs> like, where's my backpack that I bought with my own money? And I was like, oh, do I have to go? Um, so excited. Uh, my school supplies perfectly mm-hmm. stacked in my bag. Mm-hmm. I, my favorite backpack was in the third grade. It was um, Mickey Mouse backpack, but it was not like your typical character backpack. Mm-hmm. It was cloth. Uh-huh. Um, so like not vinyl. Not vinyl, yeah. It was cloth and it was just kind of abstract like Mickey Mouse ears and heads. Uh-huh. Like, and it had a clip instead of a zipper. Oh. Like a drawstring with a clip yeah. over. Oh, man. Pretty good. In So I, my parents would buy our school supplies, like the basics, but if we wanted anything special or extra, we had to do it. Mm-hmm. So I saved my allowance and my money. We would get allowance and we would have to divide it into four envelopes. <laughs> Savings fund. <laughs> <laughs> Savings fund, church, and something else. There That's was a, a fourth lot. one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, so anyway, I saved until I could buy this backpack. Um, but, so I was not nervous, but... At the bookshelf, we see a lot of mm-hmm. kids and preschoolers, mm-hmm. especially, who are getting ready for kindergarten. They're just about to start school for yes, the first time. Yes, for the very yeah. first time. And so, boy, do I have some fun picture books for you. So, one that came out last year is called We Don't Eat Our Classmates. Have you seen this? <laughs> I have seen this. Okay, we, I adored it. Perhaps we have mentioned it on here before. I don't know. But it's basically this little T-Rex who's going to school for the first uh-huh. time, but at a school with human children. Right. And she's instructed to very explicitly, please do not eat your classmates. And <laughs> I love it as a read aloud because, spoiler alert, she does in fact eat her classmates. <laughs> but not uh, in a grotesque, grotesque it way. It is not grotesque, but she does eat them and then she spits them back out. <laughs> um, it is delightful and I don't think any child expects her to eat them. So when right. you read it out loud, kids are like, what? <laughs> Wait, like, what, what happened? Um, the illustrations are delightful. So We Don't Eat Our Classmates is a great one, I think, to kind of ease the pain of going back to school because it's very funny. Um, I read two years ago to the point I read it so often for story times that I almost had it memorized there for a hot second kindergarten countdown Uh now look when you google this and when you put it in our show notes it's the kindergarten countdown written by Marjorie Parker Marjorie Parker there are lots of other kindergarten countdowns out there I cannot attest to them this one is cute because it's basically a counting book, uh-huh. but it and it's talking about how many sleeps until school, and so it counts down mm-hmm. like ten sleeps nine, mm-hmm. anyway until you're at school, and it's rhyming, so it's very fun. That's why I say I almost have it memorized because you yeah if you read it you learn out, the rhythm, which I think would be very fun for little preschoolers to kind of be able to chant to themselves mm-hmm. like as they go to school. Uh, so Kindergarten Countdown by Marjorie Parker, good counting book too. Um. 
let's see, Planet Kindergarten. Yep, classic. Very fun, uh, especially if your kid is into space at all. Um, the ones, here's one that came out last year that I adore. And it's not just good for back to school, but I do think now it's the perfect time to read it. It's called All Are Welcome. Okay. Okay. I, I remember this one. So yeah. I love a couple of things about it. First of all, it's got this kind of rhythmic, almost chorus, where it tells something about going back to school or about a classroom, and then it says, all are welcome mm-hmm. here. And eventually, which it almost moves me to tears, when you read it out loud, like when I read it out loud for story time, all the children are ultimately saying together, all and are welcome, welcome here, here, which just cue the sobs. Yep. Um, because the whole point is about how different we all are, but at school we can become friends mm-hmm. with each other. And it's and very... Learn from each other. The illustrations are multicultural. At the end you've got like this parade where you've got Chinese... Um, dragons coming through but then you also have these children um with head wraps or things like mm-hmm. that so you're you're really getting to expose your child through this book to what they might see at school right. and it's okay that we look different from each other and that we have different cultural events that we celebrate mm-hmm. but at school everybody's welcome right um which i just think is a lovely message and i know probably parents feel differently um than booksellers about this but i love in a children's picture book where there's either a pop-out element or an element where like the pages unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you're at risk for your children destroying the book. Yeah, <laughs> um, there is that. But there is this one page in All Are Welcome where it unfolds to show the whole classroom. And again, it's kind of got that parade thing going through the class. And I love it. And it's fun to hear kids kind of gasp when you do it because even they can get the gravity of how beautiful right. it is. Um, so All Are Welcome is a gorgeous picture book that I like to read aloud this time of year. Okay, then two new ones, and then I'm done. Um, the Pigeon Has to Go to School, okay. which is like the pigeon drive, don't let the pigeon drive mm-hmm. the bus. So same illustrations, mm-hmm. same storyteller, same storytelling style. But finally, I couldn't believe we hadn't done this yet. Like, finally, the pigeon goes to school. So <laughs> if you if your kids are fans of the pigeon books, which honestly, who's not? Who's not? Um, the Pigeon Has to Go to School is the one about school. And again, couldn't believe we hadn't done this yet, but here it is. Yeah, right. Um, so The Pigeon Has to Go to School is new. And last but not least, The King of Kindergarten. You guys, the illustration of this adorable little boy on the front cover is fantastic. Um, Olivia and I love this book about a little boy obviously going to kindergarten and he thinks himself the king of kindergarten and I think it's to really help him be confident in Uh going to school. Um, I've already sold several copies of it. It's perfect for back to school season and especially these are all picture books so they're all designed for your kids who are not just a lot of these books have kindergarten in the title but i would say anywhere from three to seven years of age uh these will be suitable for them that's great yeah so those are my favorite picture books for going back to school and then our third category third category is do you miss school me too (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's bring you back okay on uh last saturday Uh at the live podcast um one of the questions we got was your favorite campus novels. Mm-hmm. And of course I pondered that question then for two days following right. because I was like, I don't know that I had a good answer for that. I have one, okay. but it's not a typical campus novel, but I'm going to talk to you about it and tell you why it meant Please so much do. to me. So it's called Bloom Ability yep. by Sharon Creech. I remember that. Okay. So it's a children's chapter book that I am determined. I think I might reread it because I am missing that boarding school mm-hmm. void. Um, or I have this boarding school void. So when I read this book, I was actually probably a little old for it. Mm -hmm. Like I found it, I think, at Barnes & Noble in Tallahassee when I was in, I'm going to say 10th grade. I think this is probably written for 
seventh through ninth graders. Sure. Doesn't matter. This is why age doesn't matter. Yeah. You're allowed to read whatever you want. You absolutely are. Um, I read it in the 10th grade and connected with it so deeply. It's about this young woman who, um, her she lives with her aunt and uncle, I believe, and she is kind of forced with them to move to Switzerland where her uncle becomes an instructor at the American school in Switzerland. Yeah. Which, guys, that's is a real one, school. And that's the one that prompted you to lie to your classmates. Yeah, lied to my classmates, said I was going there. Um, because, partly because, who doesn't love a good prank, a uh, nerdy prank, uh, but also I really did want to go there. And, my, right. of course, my parents, I mean, like, this was in the early stages of the internet. Mm-hmm. I finished Bloomability, which mm-hmm. stuck with me forever. Like, there's some really great, great quotes in that book. And also, there's this idea, like, she is learning, basically, how to appreciate possibility and opportunity. That's where the title comes from. But at one point, she and her uncle are out fishing together, and she doesn't catch anything. And I, look, I haven't read this book since I think I read it over and over again as a kid. Right. Um, as a teenager. But I remember this vividly. They're fishing, and her, they don't catch anything. And her uncle says, don't worry. We caught the day. We mm. caught the sun. And like, oh, that was mind-blowing to me as a 15-year-old. So anyway, book stuck with me forever. This was early stages of the internet. I immediately finished the book and logged on to AOL online mm-hmm. and searched for the American School in Switzerland, sent in for an application and brochures, which they promptly mailed to my home. There's also the American School in London, uh-huh. I did not realize. Yep. Um, but anyway, they mailed me their brochures. It looks amazing. I don't know if anyone got to go there. <laughs> But if you're listening to this and you got to attend the American school in Switzerland, I'm jealous of you. This is all I ever wanted. And my parents were like, why are we getting this stuff in the mail? And I was like, oh, that's mine. <laughs> and then I presented it to them. Did you hear that like Emma Stone, when she wanted to like go to become an actress, mm-hmm. she did like a PowerPoint presentation for no, her No, I haven't heard that. That's and funny. And they took her to, then they took her to LA. Well, my parents aren't like Emma Stone's parents. And I like presented this to them. Like, here's the brochure. Here's the pamphlet. Here's my application completed and ready to go. And my parents were like, no, you're not doing this. Like, absolutely not. And then I love that you got away with telling your classmates about it. Yeah, bye. Well, because this was like 2001-ish, 2001, Probably 2002. Yeah. yeah. Like, I read a, a piece yesterday about how like that time was just the wild west of mis- <laughs> misinformation in America. When you were a teenager with the very early yeah. inklings of the internet, it was so easy to lie to everybody because <laughs> yeah. we didn't have social media. Yeah. And we didn't have... Barely. And we didn't have good regulated information on the AIM internet. We had AIM where we could all catfish each other. Exactly. That's all it was. And like how our generation experienced that, our micro generation of like maybe a year older than you and like yeah. a year younger than me. Yeah. We ex- grew up in that, and no one else in the history of the world has that. And how fascinating <laughs> yeah. that time was. It, is, it was a fascinating time. So when I think of campus novels, this girl in Bloom Ability going to the American school in Switzerland and getting to see, because she's from this small town in America, and mm-hmm. I cannot remember where. I want to say maybe Arkansas or something. But she goes and she realizes how big the world is. Mm-hmm. And man... At 14, 15, I guess I was 15 years old. At 15 years of age, I couldn't, I just, that resonated so deeply. Yeah. Uh, and that's an important thing to learn around that age. Yeah. And so I, 
am I am hesitant to revisit it except it's Sharon Creech, so I'm not. I trust her implicitly. Um, but I own. I still have my copies sitting on my shelf at home. So I think I'm gonna pull this back out because I have such. I remember like they go skiing and maybe somebody breaks a leg. Like I have vivid memories of this uh-huh. book. Um, I just adored it, and I cannot believe I didn't think of it as a campus novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's not an adult a right. work of adult lit. So I think it just didn't cross my mind. But then later, I was it, like, oh no! I was like, dang it! Everybody needs to read Bloomability, and it's hard to sell sometimes older children's books yeah. to to kids now. Right. Don't get me wrong. We really push it, and we try hard. We like try. We, we sell but EL sometimes it's hard. Like that. But sometimes it's hard. So if you're around my age, <laughs> and any of that. Um, you feel deeply, then I highly recommend Bloom Ability. So good. What else do you have on here? Okay, I have um, Looking for Alaska. Classic. Great boarding school novel. Yeah, no, it is. And I don't think, I don't know, I don't think we had thought of that. No, we don't normally talk about it in those terms, but it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, then I also, in the YA genre, did People Like Us. Uh-huh. So this was a book I read, I had almost forgotten I read it, but I read it a few years ago um, because it's kind of, set up like it's this boarding school or this really intense private school and a student is found dead and if I'm not mistaken the book is set up interview style Mm -hmm. so like some kids what is that show that you and I like on Netflix American Vandal yeah okay so it's American Vandal but serious right okay okay so it's set at this school and I think the kids are being interviewed for this documentary to find out who the killer is kind of thing so if you like um, this is not true crime, but if you like true crime-esque stuff uh-huh. or stuff mimicking true crime, People Like Us is really fun, and I had forgotten about it. Um, and then I realized, oh, that was set like at a boarding school or an elite yeah. private school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, as much as I wanted to go to the American school in Switzerland, I have no doubt that some real crap hits the fan at elite private schools. Yeah, well, and then the one that comes to mind for me is The Impossible Fortress. Yes. Um, that, again, I read in a sitting. Yes. Um, I could not put it down, devoured it, thought it was wonderful. Have heard back from some listeners that other people don't like it as much as I did. <laughs> um, but I thought it was great, and specifically for those kinds of elements. Yeah. Set partially at an elite private school. Yeah. Um, it's partially like a very 80s Stranger Things-esque heist novel. Yeah. Um, and it's about kids being terrible. Yeah. That's, I think, maybe what readers didn't understand from my commentary. Like, these, these are not nice people. Right. These aren't people to root for. No. Um, it, it, it is pretty tragic, yeah. ultimately. Like, there's a nice ending. Yeah. Um, but, like, the, the book is about not nice people. Yeah. Because kids are not nice. Right. Uh, but anyway... If you want to read that and remember how terrible that part of high school is. Maybe it'll make you feel better about adulthood. Maybe it'll adulthood. make you feel better about adulthood. That's true. Um, I also weirdly love a separate piece. Yeah. And I always, for some reason, associate it. Like, I think you should read a separate piece and then watch Dead Poets Society. Oh, yeah. No, I, very similar. I just don't. Yeah. I, but I, I just like that pairing. So I can't picture one without the other. Right. Um, But I loved a separate piece. And it came to me. I did not read that in high school. I think I read it in college. So mm. it came to me later. The other one that I'm really curious about and I would like to read, did you hear that? So I heard an author interview on NPR with Julie Schumacher um, who wrote The Shakespeare Requirement. Mm-mm. And she wrote, now I'm trying to think of the name, she wrote another book kind of in the same vein and she it was this great interview. Like, you know when you're in your car and you can catch those NPR interviews yes. like at just the right time? Mm-hmm. Well, that happened to me where I was driving along and she was talking, she was really... Um, 
talking a lot about a liberal arts education mm-hmm. and what the liberal arts do mm-hmm. for us. And, of course, that is a conversation I'm here for. Yeah, obviously. So the Shakespeare requirement is by her. It's fiction. Um, and it is about, a, if I'm not mistaken, a college class who they are required to read Shakespeare and kind of this liberal arts story. Yeah. So I am very intrigued. I have not read it, but it is one that sounds that right sounds up my alley. It sounds really good, yeah. yeah. And, and her interview was so compelling that it's one that has kind of stuck stuck with me. I just have not read it. Yeah. So the Shakespeare requirement would also be on my list. That sounds great. Did you ever see Skulls? No. This is taking a turn. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. I'm pretty sure, unless I imagine this, it's one of those movies I caught on TBS one time. Sure, yeah. And I feel like everybody knows what I mean when I say that. I, I absolutely do. <laughs> so I think, I in fact, I'm pretty sure it stars Joshua Jackson, so Pacey Witter. Oh, okay, yeah. Forever and always. And it is about him going to Harvard. I think it's called Skulls. And he goes to Harvard. And you know in Gilmore Girls where we learn that like there are these you know, secret societies. Secret societies. Yeah. Well, it's like that only the bad version. Right. So skulls is like him joining one of the secret societies. I think, oh. the, I think the skulls, I want that, but in book form, that's the other thing I'm looking for. Okay. I want like dark. I just love me like in secret history kind yeah. of is like that. And that's like, that's something I've always wanted to write. Well, get on it, man. Yeah. Cause it's missing. I can't find um, it anywhere. My friend Kim can tell you the real life story of some of those things at her liberal arts school in Ohio. I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. Some of it is really disturbing. Hunter posted on his Instagram not long ago. I think, I think he'll correct me, but I think it was, you like swiped up and it was this story about the school, not the school that Secret History was based on, but Mm -hmm. it was Donna Tartt and... Oh, it was like this school where all, where Donna Tartt and then three other writers Brady all attended. Sinalis. And who is that misogynistic guy? Brady that Sinalis, him? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Okay, so they all went to this school together, and it's like an oral history of yeah. the campus. Yeah. It was fascinating. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a really interesting story. That is the kind of stuff I'm here for. Okay. I love that kind of stuff. And, and what I mean is, like, it gets me, in, like, just like I like watching scary things in October, I like, this yeah. is why we call this seasonal reads, I right. like reading things... I'm not going back to school. I don't want to be made to feel bad about that. So instead, hit me with these awful stories about back to school so that I can be like, great. Ah, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> great. But I can live vicariously through these students. And and in this season that we recognize, even if it's not your life, it right. is still my life. It is still your life. But in a different way. Yeah, very different. So anyway, those are my recs. Love it. is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers, and you can learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. 
You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content, a full back catalog of our show, with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. Well, coming off of all of those crazy July events we talked about at some point, um, we also... Um, we also sold out of our one book event. Did yeah, you see this? Yeah, I did see that. Do you know how many people? No. 800. 800. <laughs> okay, so... Level up. Obviously, I need to start drinking. But until then... <laughs> <laughs> but until that happens, we got this stuff in the store called um, Therapy Dough. And, I saw that, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, and there are testers. Uh-huh. And... I, I touched it. Okay. <laughs> well, Olivia... <laughs> I have died laughing because Olivia, what I love about Olivia and Lucy is we all like, we handle stress pretty similarly and like, we're okay. Like we're doing okay. Like even when Mm -hmm. we're stressed, like we've got a calm exterior. Well, last week or maybe during, like our phone is ringing off the hook because we're sold out. Like we have no more tickets. There's there, it's the biggest venue in Thomasville. But Olivia had her favorite one. It's called Chill because it smells like Christmas. It smells like evergreen. Mm -hmm. And Olivia's just rolling up that dough man and sniffing it as if it is cocaine. And it, is, <laughs> it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen is Olivia, she, like, she would take a big whiff and then she was go, she would go, guys, it smells like Christmas. Guys, like like a high person. Like what I envision a high person to be like. <laughs> just taking a hit guys, of this Christmas yes, dough. Yeah, she was like, guys, it smells like Christmas. You'll feel better, I promise. Like she's talking on like high speed. It's hilarious. I love that. Anyway, I so the therapy dough is getting us through. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.